There's something special about a zeal that a missionary has, right? I mean, they, they leave their families. Sometimes they bring their families with them to the place that they're going to serve at. They want to bring the gospel to these nations that they head to. They want to uh, disciple the people in these nations that they're going to because missionaries are zealous to serve Christ. They're zealous to reach people with the gospel. They're zealous to do good works for Jesus Christ. There was a zealous missionary by the name of John Allen Chow. You may have heard of him before. And John Allen Chow, what he wanted to do was reach this isolated nation, the most isolated nation in the world with the gospel. He wanted to reach them. And they're the Sentinelese people in North Sentinel Island. They're the most isolated people in the world. And John Allen Chow wanted to reach them with the gospel. The first time he went out there, he got to the island and he was shot at. So you'd think, okay, yeah, packed up his bags. Hey, I tried. I left. I went home and I did nothing with, no. What'd he do? He trained for years. He tried to learn their language. He tried to learn how he could reach them effectively. So he went out a second time. And he went out the second time. And sadly, you'd think this would have a happy ending. It was a sad ending. They killed him. But here's the thing. That is not a failure. Millions of people around the world know this guy's story. And so many people, I would, I would venture to say, came to know the gospel because of the boldness and the zeal of this guy. Maybe not this tribe. But so many people in the world know this story, have heard this story, and have heard the, the faithfulness and the zeal of this guy to reach people with the gospel, that they've heard the gospel themselves, or they've come to Christ themselves. We can't grow tired in our zeal in the Christian life. When we're serving Jesus, we have to be zealous, and zealous, this passion, right? This driven, intentional focus on serving Jesus Christ. That's what John Allen Chow had. He wanted to reach these people so badly that he was willing to risk his life for them. He went on to say, you guys might think I'm crazy. This was after the first attempt. You, might think, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. That's a heart of zeal. That's a heart of somebody who wants to reach people with the gospel. That's a heart of somebody who wants to be passionate about serving Jesus Christ, about serving the one who he lives his life for. He lived his life passionately in service for Jesus. If we don't do that, if we're not zealous, if we're not zealous in serving Jesus every single day with everything that we do, we're going to waste our life. In fact, if we look at the scriptures that we're going to look at together today, it might even prove our faith is ingenuine because we're not fully committed to God. We're not fully devoted and zealous and passionate to serving Jesus. So let's look at this passage together, Romans 12. It's one verse, very short, Romans 12, chap, uh, verse 11. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Let's look at this together. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, right? Lazy, don't be lazy in your passion and your dedication to Christ. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Right? That's, that's a, that fervency means burning. It's literally like you're burning, you're boiling over with passion in the spirit. Serve the Lord. So we see this type of emotional response that we should have in our service to Jesus. Right? Our service is not meant to be dull. Our service is not to meant, meant to be dry. Our service is meant to be passionate 
devoted and intentional for Jesus Christ. You can't truly understand what it means to even be zealous, right? So if we look back at this passage, it says, serve the Lord, okay? Serve the Lord. We have the emotional response or the the way that we should go about serving the Lord, and then we have serve the Lord. We're serving who? The Lord. Why is he worth serving? We can't even truly understand what it means to be zealous unless we realize who it is that you're serving. Who is it that we serve? That's point number one. Remember the worthiness of the one you serve. Remember the worthiness of the one you serve. This passage says, serve the Lord. This implies this type of devotion to Christ. This love, this loyalty, this enthusiasm for a person or a thing, and that's Jesus. What are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? Where are your devotions lying? Are they split? If you're calling yourself a Christian, right? This passage is for Christians. If you're calling yourself a Christian, but your devotion is towards things that are of the world, your devotion is things that are material, right? Devotion is your commitment, your time, your resources, your energy. If those things are being pushed towards something that's not for the sake and the glory of Christ, then you're missing it, right? And I'm not saying that you can't enjoy other things in the world. You can enjoy other things in the world, right? You can play sports. You can want to do good in school. But our wholehearted uh, devotion needs to be to Christ. You're doing those things for the glory of Christ. Your devotion is towards Jesus. So I have this neighbor, and my wife and I call her uh, the pink lady. And we call her the pink lady because we drove by her house. She's just down the way. She's not a direct neighbor, but she's down the road. Um, and we noticed that she's, she was, uh, like, I don't know what you call it, like, painting, I'll just say painting. It's like the air paint, you know, they shoot through the, the gun and it goes everywhere. It's like the mist, but they're painting the garage, whatever that was, <laughs> painting the garage pink, okay? And then we realized, wow, this lady is also, um, she's also wearing pink a lot. Like, every single piece of her clothing is pink, she got a, I think she has like a strip of, in her hair that's pink. And we're trying to figure out what is going on. And, we, and then we look and we see in her house, she's got pink accessories and decor everywhere. Like, what is happening? Okay, this went so far as we saw on trash day, her trash bags are pink. They're pink. Okay, this lady is devoted to the color pink. You can see the, the point I'm trying to make with this is that she was devoted and zealous for this, this object, this thing, pink, of all things, the color pink. In fact, I think her car is pink, if I'm remembering correctly. It, she's devoted and passionate about a color. And some of us are distracted by things like this, right? Some of us are spending our time and our energy on things that are pink, on things that are material, on things that are worldly, and not on the things of Christ, and not on Christ himself. We have to remember the worthiness of Jesus. Turn with me to Galatians 2. We're going to look at verse 20 together. Another letter written by the Apostle Paul, just as Romans is. We're looking at Galatians, and he's talking about being justified by faith, but he goes on in verse 20, and he's talking to us about, or he's telling us here, of who we should live for right? And why we should live for him. Okay? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not me that lives my life anymore. If you're calling yourself a Christian, your life is not yours. It's Christ's. It's his now. You've been crucified to yourself. Your, your desires, your devotions, your passions, the zeal that you have for other things is crucified for the things that Jesus says that we need to be passionate and zealous and devoted to. In the life I now live in the flesh, right, in the world here right now, I live by faith in the Son of God, and I love this part here, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is worthy to be devoted to. Christ is worth it. He loves us and he died for us. Do you truly understand the cost that it takes to serve Christ? Do you understand the commitment that you have to make, the devotion that you have to have to serve Jesus? Do you understand the worthiness of Jesus that should motivate that type of wholehearted passion and zealous and commitment to Jesus? I was training for a uh, Spartan race. Have any of you guys done that? Like, like a, the Mud Runner or whatever, or Spartan, Andrew's done it. Okay, so this is like a super intense athlete race. I was not an athlete. Like, I mean, I've, I like played sports, whatever, but this was crazy. Like seven miles, okay, uphill, downhill, it was up a ski slope. I had no idea what I was getting into. My buddy at work was like, hey, man, we should do the Spartan race together. I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's do it. I'm, I'm down. I didn't look it up. I had no idea what that was. All I knew was it was like this intense workout experience, okay? Well, when we get there, comes to find out that it's the, one of the hardest Spartan race courses in all of the country. It's going up black, black diamond uh, ski slopes. It wasn't in the snow. It was in the dirt. But if you're not familiar with ski slopes, black diamond's like this, it's very high, right? So we're climbing up that, we're running, you're doing obstacles, you're jumping through tires, you're getting electrocuted. It's, it's insane. It, uh, yeah, you, yes. Like there's these things that hang and electrocute you. It's insane. It, it's like a little shock, it's fine. But it's crazy. The Spartan race is insane. And here's the thing, guys, because I had no idea what it cost me to do that race, I didn't train at all. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't work out, I didn't run. You know, I, you know, I play basketball and stuff, like whatever, but it, I was not prepared for this. I had no understanding of what the cost it was to do this thing. Now, if I understood the cost, I mean, people train daily for this thing. Like months in advance, they want to train for this. And I wasn't even, there's three levels. It's like three miles, seven mile, 10 mile or something. There are three, 10, 15 or something like that. And I was doing the middle one. I wasn't even doing the small one. It was the first time I've ever done it. But I didn't, I didn't train. And people are training every single day for this race because they want to finish it. Well, I didn't finish it because I didn't train at all. I got to mile like five or something and started having the worst cramps of my life where I literally had to be carried off the obstacle and put like on top of this next uh, uh, obstacle that I was supposed to go down. You know, I sat there for about an hour and a half before I was mustered up the strength to go and finish, but I didn't do any obstacle. I, but I did finish. I, I ran through. I was not prepared. I didn't count the cost for this Spartan race. If, if I truly understood the upfront cost, I would have been passionate about training right? I would have been excited about training. I would have been like, yeah, I need to do this. In fact, I have to do this because it demands this. 
It demands my full dedication so that I can finish this race. Right? If we truly understood what it costs to serve Christ, if we truly understood what it costs to be a disciple of Jesus, our life, that's what it costs, right? Then this type of zeal, this type of passion would almost be natural, right? You'd be, you would know that you had to do it because your life is not yours, it's his. Your, your zeal, your passion to serve Jesus would be an outflowing because you would know that the cost to serve Christ is everything. Turn to Matthew 10. Let's see what Jesus has to say about uh, the cost to serve, the cost to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39, we're going to look at together. Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39. And all the Gospels have accounts of this interaction that Jesus has, and it's, it's a sharp one. It's a sharp comment that Jesus makes. Matthew 10, verse 37 through 39, it says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I mean, that's huge, verse 37 there. He's not saying that you got to hate your family, but he is saying that your love for him ought to make it look like you hate your family, right? Because you love Jesus so much that the love that in comparison to your family It's so insignificant in comparison to how much you love Christ. Verse 38, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The account in Mark says his cross daily, every single day. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is trying to tell us here that your life is not your own. It's, we, we have to count the cost of serving Jesus, and when we count that cost and we realize that he's worth it, it's our life, right? We want to serve Jesus with every aspect of our life. We want to serve him with every single thing that we do. Jesus is worth it. We're talking about the worthiness of the one we serve. Is Jesus worth it? Do you believe this? If you're calling yourself a Christian, is your life reflecting that you believe that Jesus is worth everything? That Jesus is worth your time? Jesus is worth every decision you make? Jesus is worth every thought you think? Jesus is worth every friend you hang out with? Jesus is worth every action that you take? Every decision, everything, is Jesus worth it? I'm here to tell you he is, right? Jesus is worth serving. 1 Samuel 12, 24, you can write these down. I'm kind of give you, I'm going to give you shotgun verses here, okay? Jesus is worth it. There's a plethora of reasons why Jesus is worth serving, but I'm going to give you five. First, Romans 5, 8, and 9. He suffered and died for you. If you're a Christian, Jesus suffered the, the, uh, the death that you deserved, and he died the death that you deserved. That's massive. Romans 5, 8, and 9, it says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. If, if I were to follow someone who died for me, I mean, you think about someone died for you, someone uh, sacrificed their life for yours, you would want to follow that person, right? If someone, or if someone saved your life, Right? which Jesus did if you're a Christian. He saved your life from the wrath of God, from eternal punishment. 
He suffered that punishment in your place. You're going to do whatever he asks you to do. You're going to do whatever he uh, thinks is right, whatever he says is right, and you're going to follow that. He suffered and died for you. The second thing is he redeemed you. That's kind of what uh, Romans 5, 9 was, was, was touching on there. But the passage I have for this one is Romans 3, 23 through 24. Write that one down. Romans 3, 23 through 24. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve this redemption that Jesus offers. None of us deserve his grace. Verse 24, And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You've been freed from that wrath that was upon you. We're all born into sin, and you commit sin. We talked about it last week, and we see it even through children. If you don't know what original sin looks like, have a baby. Don't have one now. Wait. But we're all under the wrath of God. I mean, that's huge. And Jesus offers this eternal salvation for your sins. You're freed from your punishment if you're a Christian. That ought to motivate you to serve the worthy king, Jesus that's the second reason why we're, he's worth serving. Third, John 10, 27, and 28 says he gave you eternal life. He gave you eternal life. John 10, 27 through 28. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He's giving them eternal life. I love the, it's present tense, right? I give eternal life. So if you're a Christian here today, genuine Christian, if I were to have some type of omniscient wisdom from God and be like, yeah, Christian, 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 right? You have eternal life right now. It's started. Yeah, you're going to die right? But you're going to be resurrected to eternal life in heaven if you're a Christian here today. That is massive. And Jesus gives us that. We don't deserve that. We deserve God's punishment. But Christ took it upon himself to save sinners like you and me. It's eternal life. So that should change the way that we live our life right now, right? We're not living our life for this life. We're not living our life for now. We're living our life for eternity. That changes everything about everything we do. Because this life doesn't matter. This life is for glorifying Christ until we get to the next. And that's where we can live eternally with God, uh, embracing all of the promises that he has for us. The fourth reason Jesus is worthy to serve is he is the only way of salvation. It's the only way of salvation. John 14, 6 famous passage that says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Look, you may not be a Christian here, and you don't embrace this, but that doesn't make this not true, right? That doesn't make this not true. Whether you believe it or not doesn't mean it's true or not. This is a fact. This is the way that God has set up life for us. This is the way that, that Jesus has, has uh, died for us and, and redeemed us and gave us eternal life. And he is the only way to receive that free gift. He's the only way. And if Jesus says, hey, you're going to give up everything to follow me, then that's the way that we need to live our life. Because that's the way that God, the creator of the universe, has set this up for us. This is the way God set it up. There's no other option. Jesus is the only option here. The fifth thing 
for why Jesus is worthy of being served, why it's worthy to serve Jesus, is he's the almighty king. He's the king of the universe. Revelation 1.8. Write that one down. Revelation 1.8. I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. The Christian life is lived in complete submission to Jesus because he's the king. We're his subjects. We don't deserve him. We don't even deserve to be his subjects, but he allows us the opportunity to be there at his feet, enjoying eternity with him. Revelation 1.8. I mean, even thinking about what Jesus had to do to get to the point where, where all of these things we're talking about, right? To die in our place and to resurrect and to give us eternal life. Jesus had to leave his eternal glory with the Father, the right hand of the Father, perfectly happy, perfectly blissed, like per- great, everything's going great. And he had to leave that and humble himself to take on flesh for eternity. Do you guys realize that? That he is, he's no longer what he was before the incarnation, before him coming together as, as fully God, fully man. He's now taken on part of, of humanity for eternity. And he lives on in eternity as someone fully God, fully man. He humbled himself to that point for you. And he's the almighty king. We should serve him for that. He's worthy to be served. We can't forget who, who Jesus is, right? We can't forget his worthiness. So before we can even understand how to be zealous, before we can even understand what zeal is, before we can even feel that passion and that motivation to serve, we, we got to know who it is we serve. If you're a Christian, this, this is who you serve, right? You serve a good God. You serve a God who has sacrificed for you. Turn back to our text, Romans 12, verse 11. If you have it there, I can just read it for you. I know it's short. We're going to look at A and B now. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Again, we talked about that. Don't be lazy in your passion, in your motivation to serve Christ, right? Fervent in spirit. Now, this is tricky because it does have two interpretations. It could mean, as you see in, your, in the ESV text, if you're looking at it, as a lowercase s, Okay? So fervent in spirit. So some people hold that fervent in spirit means that you're kind of willing this emotion within you to go and serve Jesus. The other interpretation, which a lot of the commentators I came to realize uh, hold to this one, is that it should be a capital S. And if you're looking at a physical Bible and you have footnotes, you'll see that it says capital S in the footnotes. So both of these could work, right? Right? So as I was doing my study here, I think I, what I kind of thought, because they both kind of work together, that you're stirring up in yourself, you're, you're pushing yourself daily with this passion and this uh, motivation to serve Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Through the empowering of God who dwells within you. So point number two is remain passionate in your devotion to Christ. Remain passionate in your devotion to Christ. You guys have seen crazy sports fans. You've seen crazy sports fans, you know, football, baseball, basketball. I think the craziest sports fans, though, is at least I've experienced are football fans. And some of you guys have a favorite football fan, and some of you guys are the crazy fan that goes and they paint their face and they get all of the, the next sports gear, right? Your phone has it. The background on your phone has it. You're, uh, you got like, I don't know, maybe you got sheets that are the 49ers. I don't know, you got bed sheets that are the 49ers. Uh, 
I'm a Broncos fan, so, but I'm not that zealous about it. But you've seen these crazy fans, and their life is, is devoted to their team, right? That's what they talk about with their friends. I mean, fantasy football season is upon us, and every, that's what people, that's what, ladies, that's what guys talk about. We talk about fantasy football, and we're stoked about it. It's like, oh, man, like you, I'll trade you this guy for that guy, right? I'll trade you this XYZ player because, you know, he had this many yards last year. And pe- sports fans know everything about every single person. They know the name. They know what college he went to. They know what cereal he eats for breakfast. They know what his mom's name is. They know what day the dog was born. They know everything about this, this, these players. Because they're passionate about their love, right? They're passionate about what they're devoted to. They're zealous about it. In fact, I was yesterday just at the, uh, the Rams training grounds, uh, whatever, training facility. I was there. I'm not a Rams fan, but I was, I was there with uh, some family members. And uh, just the craziness that I saw, I saw one guy had a tattoo on his, a bad tattoo on his arm of the Super Bowl championship uh, picture because they just won the Super Bowl, the LA Rams, and he had it right on his arm. I felt so bad for the guy. Oh, man. Oh, man. It wasn't good. But he was that zealous about his team that he wanted to permanently put something on his body for the rest of his life because he loves his team. He's devoted. He's sold out to them. He's passionate for them. Are you actually zealous for the Lord? That's the question I have for you. Do you live in your life in this type of way where everything about the, the talk that you have with your friends, the things that you think about, the things that you want to surround yourself with in life, is it Jesus? Or is it for the glory of Christ, right? Because how can I say that, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm, if I'm going to play a sport or I'm going to watch this movie, am I, you know, am I serving Jesus? You could be, right? Because you're doing it for the glory of God, right? That's the mentality. It's kind of a, it's both a action shift, but as well as a, my, a mental perspective shift that we have to have. Everything is either for God directly or for the glory of God indirectly. Are you actually zealous for the Lord? Write this verse down, Titus 2, 14. Paul just got done talking to us about kind of what I was just doing in the first point, trying to show you the worthiness of serving Jesus. He just goes and does that, and then he finishes here. Verse 14, Titus 2, verse 14. It says, who gave himself, talking about Christ, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, right? We don't belong to ourselves; we belong to God, who are zealous for good works. You're zealous to do the things of God. You're zealous to serve Jesus. And zealous, that passion, you're devoted passionately to serving Jesus Christ. So you think about many areas of your life, but in these specific areas, what would happen if you were actually zealous for Christ? If you were actually zealous for doing these things, if you were passionate in emotion, uh, you had a, a drive, a burning, a longing to serve Jesus in these areas. The first one, service. Just serving other people, serving the church. If you were zealous in this area of service, think of all of the, 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 the posts that we have um, for service in our church that go unfilled because we don't have people that are zealous for good works. We don't have people that are passionate for serving Jesus. We have it um, all over the place. There's so many ministry posts that you guys can serve in uh, right now. I mean, we just announced Awana all of these spots that are open that you could fill in. Are you serving? If you're not serving, we got to get you serving. Okay, but what about the people that are serving? 
If you're serving, are you coming in? Is it, is it kind of dry? You're just doing it because you have to. You're doing it because it's your duty as a Christian. That is not a zeal to serve God. If we were zealous to serve Christ, our service would look so much different. Also, serving your friends, right? Serving your family members. It doesn't have to be an active uh, ministry post. You should be serving people all the time. And by serving other people, you're serving Jesus. The next one's prayer. Think about prayer. Think about all the prayer requests that are going unanswered because you're not zealous to pray. What do I mean by that? God's sovereign. He's going to answer, or he's going to do whatever he's going to do. God's going to, he doesn't need your prayers to answer prayers, but that's the way that he's set these things up to be reliant upon God. But if you're not praying for these people, think about that. Why would those prayers go answered? There's so many things that are being missed. There's so many people that might even be sick or might even not, I mean, you may not grow in your wisdom because you haven't prayed for that wisdom or more people would be helped by God if we were more zealous in prayer. If we were passionate, we went to God's word, or I'm sorry, we went to God uh, on our knees praying, Lord, please, you're pleading with him for these people and for yourself to grow in Christ-likeness. The next one, I know, cliche, read the word, prayer, read the word, serve. We got another one, read the word. If you were truly zealous about reading God's word, you would actually see change in your life. Not just reading it because you have to, not just reading it because it's your duty as a Christian, I'm doing the DBR, check, I got it. But you're reading God's word with the intention and the zeal and the passion to serve Christ more. That's going to make you more like Christ. That's going to make um, your life change. And you think about even sins that you're dealing with that you can't conquer yet because you have yet to be zealous about applying the scriptures that you're reading on a daily basis. You would see change. Next one is evangelism. I mean, this one I think is huge. If you were passionate and zealous about sharing the gospel with other people, think of how many people would get saved, right? Again, God is sovereign. He's going to save. He's going to save. But he has a means of getting that done. And that's us as Christians. We got to get the gospel to other people. If you were zealous about evangelism, we would have more chairs in this room. We would have to buy another building. Compass Bible Church would have to buy another building because we have so many souls getting saved if you were actually zealous about sharing the gospel with other people, about reaching people with the lost. If you're feeling spiritually dry and you're not feeling this type of zeal, think about those lost souls. Think about people that we just talked about that are facing their eternal damnation because they reject Christ and you have the message of eternal life that you can give to them. You should have this zeal, this passion to reach those people. Discipleship. Think of how your discipleship would be changed if you were zealous to serve Christ, if you were zealous for the Lord. You'd have zeal in discipling other people, right? First, you'd want to see more people become more like Jesus Christ. You'd be passionate, and, you'd, and you, that would be what you think about and that what you're doing on a daily basis. Like, hey, man, how's, you know, how's your DVR going? Are you applying it? Hey, man, how's your prayer life going? And you're going to see more people become more like Jesus Christ because you're zealous for discipling other people. I mean, there's people in this room right now that you guys should be discipling. There's people at your school maybe that you can disciple and then get, him, get them here. But also not only zealous to disciple others, but be zealous to be discipled yourself. Right? We talked about good influences last week. These small group leaders that are, that are in your life, right? they want to disciple you. 
If you were zealous about being discipled and becoming more like Jesus Christ, you would grow more in Christ-likeness. Look at these people that want to disciple you and be passionate about, hey man, can you, can you take me through partners? Hey man, can you do this Bible study with me? Hey man, can, do you want to do this prayer, uh, this prayer day with me? Or do you want to do this, this uh, time in the word on, on Saturday or something? We'll get a group of guys and we'll do it. I mean, if you were zealous about being discipled, those things would be part of your life. The last one I want to talk about is learning. You're thinking learning? What are you talking about? Well, the knowledge of God, right? If you were zealous and passionate about learning about God, you would be wise in the word. All of these other things, your evangelism would be better, right? Your discipleship would be better. Your prayer life would be better if you grew in the knowledge of God, in the wisdom of God. The other part of this is this is so important because zeal without knowledge is not a good thing, right? Romans 10.2, I'll just quickly just write that down. For I bear them witness, Romans 10.2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What are we talking about? Well, they're passionate. They want to tell the world about something that they don't know about, right? You want to go teach or you want to go disciple or you want to pray and maybe you're blaspheming God. (laughs) Maybe you're discipling someone in the wrong way, right? So you have to have this zeal for knowledge so that all of these other things can be applied uh, better, right? More for the glory of God and quite frankly, correctly. All of these things can be applied correctly the more we grow in our knowledge of the Lord. We can be zealous and passionate without having knowledge, and we don't want that. We want to grow in our knowledge. So the question is, which one of these do you guys struggle with? Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's all of them. But which one are you thinking about right now that I brought up that you're like, man, I got to get to that. I got to do that today. I got to leave this room and apply this right now. Prayer, reading God's word, discipleship, evangelism, learning more about God, serving other people, serving the church, You know, sometimes, though, our zeal can be hindered. It can be kind of blocked. So what is keeping you from being zealous? What is hindering you from being zealous and passionate about serving Jesus? Picture this. You're at revival, okay, and you're in happy place. Gators. You're in happy place at revival. And I know that's like a coveted position. Everyone's like, yeah, man, <laughs> last place. <laughs> this is awesome. But really, like when you're in last place, I mean, think about it. Maybe not revival, but anytime you're in last place, where's your, your, your morale? It's lost. You don't want to do anything. You're like, uh, why, why are we going to play try hard at the games, right? Why are we going to do cheers? Why are we going to try to get spirit points? Why, this is, I don't care, because we're not going to win. We're so far behind, Gators. We're so far behind that you, you feel this hindrance to want to do something about your position that you're in, right? You, you're hindered about your passion to win revival because you're in last place. You're not gonna, nothing's going to happen. You're, you've lost. There are a lot of things in life that hinder us from our zeal for Christ. There are a lot of things in life that hinder us from being passionate of, for serving Jesus Christ. Write down this passage, Lamentations 3.40 Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, writes this really passionate book. He's sad, and he lamentations. He's lamenting over Israel. 340, 
Lamentations 3, 4, he says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Think about your zeal. Think about your passion. Think about your emotional response to serving Jesus. Are you spiritually dry? Are you spiritually excited? Are you motivated? Are you passionate? Are you ready to serve the Lord? Examine yourself and, and, and ask this question. Think about it. Some of you guys are lazy in service to Christ. Some of you guys don't want to do it because, ah, it doesn't matter. But you have to remember that your life is not your own. You don't have the liberty to be lazy with your life. You don't have the liberty to be lazy with your service to Jesus. Your zeal is hindered because you're lazy in your service to Christ. You have to remember, laziness lies to you, man. No one cares about what I'm going to do. God cares. Laziness will lie to you. Think about how you can conquer laziness. Plan a schedule. If you have to, put things on your, your calendar. I'm going to pray this time. I'm going to read my Bible this time. I'm going to serve this guy. I'm going to follow up with this person. Serving Christ takes uh, intention. You have to be intentional about uh, serving Christ. Laziness is the opposite of being intentional. Some of you guys are completely apathetic in your service to Christ, right? You have no interest in serving Jesus. And if you're calling yourself a Christian, I hope by this point in the sermon, you realize I can't be apathetic, right? We've read passages. We've looked at the worthiness of Jesus. How can you call yourself a Christian and be apathetic in your faith? He's so much worth it. It's so worth serving him. The apathy is, is so, it should be so far away from the believer, you're lacking interest in serving the Lord. Some of you are just complacent in your service to Christ. You're completely satisfied with just doing the bare minimum, right? It's like checked off the box. I serve. I read the Bible. I prayed today. Good. Okay, here we go. Going to the beach. Going to do whatever I want to do. Not saying that's wrong. Do your thing. But the point I'm trying to make is you should not be satisfied with mediocrity as a Christian. You should not be satisfied with the bare minimum as a Christian, Remember that we are unworthy servants, right? Jesus is worthy. We are unworthy servants. Even if we were to do everything perfect, right? If we were to be the best, most zealous servants of all time, we just hit the bare minimum in the eyes of God. That's not to demotivate you. That's to show you how great God is and how small we are in comparison. God is big. We're small. We have to push forward and be zealous for Jesus, not complacent. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25 talks about a, a servant who completely whiffed it, missed the opportunities, was complacent, thought he did, the, he did enough, and he failed. Matthew 25, verse 14. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Matthew 25, verse 14. Jump, actually, jump down to uh, verse 19. So gave one guy five talents, right? Another guy, five talents, he brought, and they brought five talents back, right? They doubled God's investment, or the man, in this parable, the manager's investment. Doubled the manager's investment. And then he gave one guy one talent, and that guy brought nothing back, right? He brought, he brought, one, he brought one back. The other guy's doubled the investment. This guy brought one. So start in verse 19. It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. It's like, all right, here we go. Let's see what you did for me. Verse 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward. He brought five talents more. He had 10. Here you go. And he says, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have five, made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Sorry, I lost my 
place there. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, uh, and he also who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. Doubled them. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what, it is, what is yours. That's not what this master wanted. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents for to everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In verse 30, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a, that's a strong parable. And what I'm trying to show you is complacency is not part of the Christian life. We're missing opportunities as Christians. If we, we have to understand how much in Orange County we've received. We're, we're the guy that has five talents, right? We've been given much. Even if you have little, right? I know there's a range in this area, but even if you have little, you have much in comparison to the world right? We have resources. We have a good church. We have people around us. There's friends. There's family. There's so much that we've been given for the purpose of serving Christ. If you're being complacent with what you have, you're missing it. You're missing opportunities. We want to uh, double what God has given us. Let's go disciple people. Let's go share the gospel with people. Let's go reach people zealously in service to Jesus Christ. Some of you are saying, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I can do this. This is, this is a lot. Because here's the thing. Remember what I said when we're talking about fervency and spirit. If you're relying upon yourself to do this, you're going to fail, right? If you're relying upon just only stirring up your own emotion every single day, you're going to burn out. And that's why it's stirring up yourself every day through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. Be reliant upon the Holy Spirit for the power to do these things we're talking about. You might be uh, emotionally dry. Maybe you're hearing this sermon, you're like, man, that's me. Man, I'm, I'm not excited to serve God all the time. And, and there's that temptation to do that. But this passage is trying to encourage us, trying to say, hey, go. Like, stop what you're doing now. If you're spiritually dry right now and you're, and you're not passionate and you're not zealous, stop what you're doing and start getting zealous. That's really what Paul is trying to say. Don't be slothful in this. Be zealous. And how? Through the power of the Spirit. For who? To serve the Lord. Turn with, with me to John 14. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17. John 14, 15 through 17, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about what's going to go down when he leaves, right? When, when he ascends into heaven, after he leaves them. What's going to go down? John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H. Right? We're looking at that. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. 
to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, right? Because the spirit is only promised to believers. You become a Christian, the spirit dwells within you because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is trying to say, look, you can complete these commandments. You can serve me. You can be zealous to to do these things that we're talking about, to do the things I tell you to do through the power of the Spirit. You don't have to dwell on your own emotion. You can trust that God is going to supply you with that fervency. God's going to supply you with that zeal. God's going to supply you with a passion to serve other people. God's going to supply you with a zeal to serve God. The Holy Spirit dwelling within you. I find this so hopeful. This is such a hopeful message because I am a sinner and I'm not always stoked about doing the things I'm supposed to do. And oftentimes I feel like we all can relate to that, but we can trust God and we can rely upon the Spirit to serve God, to to have this type of zeal and passion to serve Him. When we understand who Jesus is, when we understand his worthiness, who it is we serve, we, we won't grow tired in this zeal. We'll wake up every day ready to serve Christ when we put it in the backdrop of what he did for you as a Christian, what Jesus offers and who Jesus is as fully God, taking the sins of man, offering free salvation to those who would repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus did that. Remember who he is. We need to daily remember Uh, remain passionate because of that too. In that service that we have for Jesus, be passionate and zealous in your service to Christ. Let's pray about that now. God, thank you for this. Thank you for your word that convicts us in these many areas. And God, I'm just uh, hopeful that this is a sermon that hits the hearts of these students, God, that all of us need this as Christians. We need this reminder. So God, help us all to be um, more passionate and zealous about serving you. God, help us to remember who your son is. Help us to recall and reflect back on our salvation, that you brought us from death to life. You brought us from eternal damnation to eternal life with you. God, that should motivate us, and I hope it does. And I pray that we take this zeal and apply it into every aspect of our life. Prayer, discipleship, all of these different things, God, that we can do to serve you better. Help us to do that. Help us to think about this, God. I'm grateful to you for your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.